upon reflection. There, said Jack, right there. He was pointing to the section of the bridge across the intersection. Instead of the old grainy concrete, the cement on this section was new and smooth. Let's park just up ahead. I want to walk back out to this exact spot, Jack said to his 24-year-old son. Well, if you say so, Dad, said his son with more than a hint of sarcasm. I think that bump on your head gave you a whole time travel thing. Jordy, we've been over this, said Jack. I can't explain it, but I can't shake it either. And I think it'll be helpful to put my feet right on the spot where it happened. Then maybe I can put it away. Well, the whole time travel thing aside, I think it's actually a great idea for you to go back to where you had such a smash fest. I think it would freak most people out, said Jordan. I'm proud of you, Dad. Jack nodded in agreement with his son. Jordan knew he was just as proud of him. They parked, and Jack jumped quickly out of the vehicle. He walked briskly towards the bridge. He was staring down at the water when his son walked up and stood beside him. For a guy with his leg in a cast, you sure can motor, said Jordan, laughing. Jack did not reply, but nodded. He was having a very strange sensation standing at the exact spot where he had plunged off the bridge. Wow, said Jordan. That must have been a ride. Jack agreed as they both surveyed the distance from where they stood to the river. The occasional Sunday driver went by unnoticed by the pair. They were silent for a long time. Jordy, I went down there, said Jack. I know you did, Dad. Jordan patted his dad's solid arm as Jack gripped the railing a little too tightly. His dad was a guy's guy who'd taught him to box and still played street hockey at an age when most guys didn't exercise at all. He was not used to seeing his father rattled. You went down there, all right. You were hit hard and you slammed into the water. Jordan continued softly. And when the cops and the paramedics got here, you came right back out and into an ambulance to the hospital. Hey, said Jack. They say you never believe in ghosts until you see one. Something happened to me that's so far beyond a dream or a hallucination. I gotta track this thing down. All right, Dad, said Jordan. I signed up for this entire crazy tour, so let's get going. Jack patted his son's shoulder and they headed back to the car. Jack opened up the leather journal he'd been carrying around since the accident. He had drawn a map of his adventure from memory. Go up here and make a U-turn, he said. Ted took me that way into the city. The rest of the day, they hunted down buildings and places he'd seen with Ted. Flo's coffee shop was now a convenience store. The high ceiling and light fixtures were the same, though. He'd been there. The Whitman Industry Building was still there too, an impressive skyscraper that reached the sky. The cornerstone identified it as being built by Ted Whitman, though the steel and glass sign announced it was proudly owned by a Wi-Fi company. Jordan watched as his father scribbled notes and bounced his attention between places they were visiting and the notes again. Well, Dad, we checked them all off, right? said Jordan. Ready to head home? Not yet, son, said Jack. I've saved the best for last. Get on the freeway up here and head east. Where are we going? asked Jordan. Maxwell Street, son, Jack answered. On the way, Jack regaled his son with tales of Maxwell Street legend and history. He told him about his own roots and stories about his uncles and grandparents, many of whose names Jordan had only vaguely heard. They parked and walked down to the historic part of Maxwell Street. 
Though much had changed, Jack was able to point out many of the locations and anchored the stories he had been telling to his son to real physical places. The two men, deep in conversation and immersed in thoughts, stopped at a cafe and sat down. The waitress took their order for coffee. They sat outside in front of the cafe as an eclectic parade of people walked by. Ethnic music rose and fell, and dozens of sounds, conversation, and laughter filled the air. Well, Dad, now that you've been to all these places, how are you feeling? asked Jordan. Good, son, said Jack with a smile, stirring the coffee that had just arrived. And I've got a couple more important things I want to share with you. Sure, Dad, said Jordan. What have you got? You gonna tell me you were abducted by aliens, too? They laughed. Okay. First, I'm going to write a book, he said. He'd never told anyone what he'd been thinking, and it felt good to announce it first to his son. A book, huh? What about? I want to expand on the ideas I got from that day, son, said Jack. I've spent my whole life kicking butt in business, driving, pushing, and always hustling for success in whatever I've done. So a book about success? asked Jordan. Well, not exactly, said Jack. At least not in the ordinary way. I believe that for people who've paid the price and become successful, there's a new question they come to about what to do next. How do you mean? asked Jordan. Some people who've made a lot of money or pushed a business to the top reach the point where they're no longer focused so much on growing the business, but more on managing, playing not to lose, or they're just buried alive in details and management, and they're not very happy doing it, said Jack. Okay, I see what you mean, replied Jordan. He paused. How do you know this? Well, for some reason, these people seem to seek me out, said Jack. I meet people all the time that you and I would think are very successful. But when you get inside their head, they're frustrated, stressed out, and sometimes burnt out. When they lose the fire that drove them to the top, they start thinking about all sorts of options. Some of them want to bail, walk away, or do something really radical that they've never done before. So that sounds like a problem, said Jordan. Would your book be one of your famous kick-butt pep talks? Gonna tell them to get motivated and get back to work? Not exactly, son, said Jack. They may need to do that, but not until they're certain they're putting their energy into the right way forward. Look at this. Jack wheeled around the leather journal to the center of the table so that his son could read it. Jordan looked at the handful of lines. Titan Principles Define reality. Know your story. Never be satisfied. Draw the line. Give the gift. Surround yourself with successful people. I've heard you talk about these things, Dad, said Jordan. Good stuff, I know. Thanks, Jordy. What I learned in what you call the time travel thing was how they all work together to create a special kind of filter. You see, people who are facing the challenge of what to do after being successful, where do I go from here, is that there is so much clutter and confusion in the way they can't really see their options clearly. In this book, I want to take them through that quick burst of challenges to help them clear up this confusion so they can make a good, reliable choice. It goes like this. Number one, 
Define reality. This is the part you get brutally honest with yourself and figure out exactly where you are right now. Number two, know your story, your past, your traits, your heritage, all of the things that brought you here. When you clearly see the markers in your life and business, you can see where you are on the bigger map of your life and where to go next. Once they do the exercises I'll put in the book, I think they'll have a big wake-up call, a big aha about so many things. When they do this, I think about half the confusion will just disappear. Dad, this is really good, said Jordan, demonstrating some uncharacteristic enthusiasm for his dad's philosophies. You already got me thinking about some choices I have in my own future. Go on. Jack was in the zone now. He continued. Number three, never be satisfied. The reason this is important is because it's very natural to get discouraged or overwhelmed by the challenges and the blowback you're going to get from other people. Now is the time that you need to apply that kick-butt motivation you talked about. This is when, in order to do extraordinary things, or even to do the right things, you need to get a quick antidote to complacency. Never be satisfied is not about being a demanding jerk, said Jack. They both laughed. We don't know anybody like that, do we, Dad? asked Jordan. Easy, sport. Jack acknowledged his son's joke with a smile. Never be satisfied is really about taming that doubt we all have. Instead of looking for an easy way out, we imagine something that will be challenging. But it is in solving those challenges that we are truly inspired not just to do big things, but to do the big things that are right for us. Jack tapped the journal with his finger loudly for emphasis. Number four, draw the line. Once you eliminate the things that really aren't right for you, you take the choices and actions you have left, put them on a worksheet, and decide what it would take to make them happen. This step is about getting real and honest, cutting out the whining and the mystery we all trashed up our thinking with. Number five, give the gift. No matter how brave or outspoken or how honest we are, we all struggle with telling people the things that they don't want to hear. In the life of an entrepreneur, there's almost always resistance. And that resistance usually comes in the form of the same people we were just talking about, right? Asked Jordan. Jack stopped short. His son was right on. He smiled. Exactly, Jordy. I couldn't have said it better myself. In fact, I'm stealing that sentence for the book. Yes, we dance around telling people what they don't want to hear because of fear. When we reach the point where we're ready to move forward, it's vital that we clear up this resistance. Deal with this fear, get the truth on the table, and tell that person the real hard truth. I call it giving the gift because in reality, we all want to know the truth even if it's hard to hear, inconvenient, or expensive, or costs us something at first. In our position as business owners or leaders, it's vital that we get people to be honest with us, and we must teach by example and give that gift to others. Finally, number six, surround yourself with successful people. Because entrepreneurs can so often get caught up in their own heads about money, finance, sales, success, products, meetings, blah, 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 said Jack with mock annoyance. We get so up in our heads about the business thinking that we have to be smarter than everyone that we become control freaks 
and we isolate ourselves. We get into this egotistical, stressed out thinking that leads us to think that we have no reliable help. What I want to see is that when you shift your focus to helping develop the people that God has put in your life, then you get two big benefits. One, you get a whole team of brains solving problems and watching your back, and their strength will carry you to bigger success than you could ever achieve alone. Two, you end up with a life of meaning as you filter the love and the passion you have for your business and values through the real lives of people. When you realize that all the money in the world won't make you happy or won't keep you alive for another 200 years, your life will be rich beyond compare and a lot more fun. If you remember, it's all about the people. Wow, Dad, I'm impressed, said Jordan, looking down at the journal. He was looking inside his own heart. If we go through these steps, we get an amazing clarity about dealing with that confusion, the stress, the choices, the burnout, and we can move forward with power and clarity. The two men sipped their coffee in silence, both lost in their thoughts. Finally, Jack spoke up and asked, Well, what do you think, son? What are you going to call it? He asked. The Titan, said Jack. Dad, seriously, I think it sounds like a great book and I think it could help a lot of people, he said. I have just one suggestion. Tell me, said Jack. Just don't make it based on your crazy time travel hallucination. They both laughed, but Jordan caught a twinkle in his dad's eye and a mischievous smile. That was exactly what the old man was going to do. And in his own way, he knew his father had just given him the gift of truth. Okay, you said you had a couple things you wanted to share with me. A book is huge, but what's the other thing? Asked Jordan. Come on. Jack tossed some cash on the table for the coffee and a tip and stood up. They walked to the street, looked both ways instinctively, and crossed over. Jack pointed to the cluttered window of what must have been a pawn shop for decades. Well, what do you think? Think about what? Asked Jordan, eyeing the shop window with curiosity. I bought this place, Jack announced proudly. What? You've got to be joking, shouted Jordan. Nope, it's a done deal, said Jack, reaching for the door. They walked through the door into a high-ceiling historic building. At the back was a gigantic saloon-style bar that served as a sales counter. The building was stuffed with everything from tools to antiques. Jordan was wide-eyed and silent, trying to take it all in. What in the world are you going to do with this place, Dad? He asked quietly. I think you're going to find the history of this place very interesting, son. The warehouse for this place is as big as an airplane hangar and stuffed with antiques that the owner had no idea were more than junk, said Jack. Seriously? asked Jordan, wheels spinning. I wonder if maybe you had some ideas on how to grow this business with me. And maybe, Jack asked quietly, you'd even want to be a part of it, son. The End This audiobook is a Podcast Town production. Thank you for listening.